0: To 2. It can be found on page 1093 of the Church Bibles, or 1740 of the large print edition. And beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were saying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Pantheons, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you very much, Andy. I'm very glad I don't have to read all those names to you and I just get to do the talk. So it's lovely to see you this morning. Um, Really great to be back from Rwanda. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that as we go. But um, great to be home. And we did really feel your prayer, so thank you. Now, I don't know whether you have ever experienced the Holy Spirit, but I first became conscious of the Holy Spirit when I was at university. In my first year, I wasn't a Christian, but I was exploring the whole question of faith. I had a friend who was a Christian and she said, Bex, um, can I pray for you? One morning we were in my room and I let her pray for me. And I had an experience that I had never had before. My body felt sort of warm and almost sort of fizzing, but also peaceful. So it it was a physical experience. It wasn't disturbing, it was sort of peaceful but exciting, if that makes sense. I tell you that story today because we're talking about um, the, the coming of the Spirit at, at, um, in Acts. And when I said to my friend afterwards, you know, what was that all about and when you prayed for me? I haven't felt anything like that before. She said, Bex, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time at Pentecost on all people. And it was really powerful. And what I think this story um, shows us is that when we let the Spirit move, He creates community, He empowers community, and He leads community. In fact, that's the title of my talk today is Let the Spirit Move. Um, There's a little theme to my pictures. Having been in Rwanda, it's not going to take you long to work it out. (laughs) So there we go. Um, So what I want to talk about is the transformation of community by the Holy Spirit. The spirit creates community, he empowers community, and he leads community. And those three points are what I want to unpack a bit more um, in turn today. So we have just spent 10 days in Rwanda where we were hosted by Tear Fund. And I've got a slide um, to show you um, a little bit of the sort of communities we were visiting, which is that picture. And Rwanda is the little tiny red one. It's a little country um, in Eastern Africa. And we got to see some of the amazing work that Tearfund is doing in and through local churches in communities all over the country. It was inspiring, it was challenging, um, not least because we sort of had to come face to face with how the genocide in 1994 um, really tore the community of Rwanda apart. But we were also fortunate enough to witness how the Spirit of God has been rebuilding community in the most profound and extraordinary way since. Our community life in here um, is in a bit of trouble, I would suggest, in England. It's suffering a bit of a slow disintegration with people living increasingly lonely and isolated lives. And of course, church community is not immune to this so as I start this morning, I just want to ask us, ask um, you guys, are you in community? Am I in community this morning? So my first point is that as we let the Spirit move, the Holy Spirit creates community. And I've got a slide for, that, for this one. Ah, uh, that's us. <laughs> You're not feeling that. <laughs> um, so the Holy Spirit creates community. At, this, at the point we pick up the story in Acts, the disciples, and there's probably a few others as well, are all together in one place. That's what it says in verse 1. And I have to say, one of the total joys for me since coming to faith when I was 19 has been the friendship and community I've experienced over the years since from a group I was in for young mums that kept me sane in New Zealand to a women's group I'm part of um, today in Guildford. The other thing I also love about community is our big family that we talk about here, that sort of all-ages community that we get to be part of when we're part of a church. These communities are actually my lifeblood. So the disciples are all together in one place. That's where we join them. They're in Jerusalem. They've actually been there for quite a long time. Just to remind us, this community of followers at this point enter Jerusalem expecting Jesus to reveal himself in the most powerful way as the Messiah and to conquer the city. Instead, as we know, Jesus is arrested and crucified. After Jesus' death, the community begins to fracture as the disciples sort of lose hope and they're filled with fear and doubt. Then three days later, obviously, Jesus is miraculously resurrected and the community begins to sort of come together again and come back to life itself, although it's still vulnerable. Then 50 days later, Jesus is taken up into heaven, the ascension, and the community of um, disciples is shaken and insecure once again. So where we meet them, where they're all together in one place, is 10 days after Jesus' ascension. And just before his ascension, you'll remember Jesus says to his disciples, and this is in Acts 1 verse 5, Wait for the gift my Father promised you, which you heard me speak about. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples are together in one place. They are probably bewildered and frightened. Maybe some of them are hopeful, but they are together. They're clinging on to their community. And then it happens. Bam! Verse 2, a violent wind rushing in their ears, whipping up their clothes. Remember, they're inside. They're not outside. They're inside when this happens. Verse 3, an incredible spectacle as these tongues of fire come down and rest on each of them. And then verse 4, they're filled from the tips of their toes to the top of their head with this tingling, sort of overflowing Holy Spirit. And they start to speak in different languages that they didn't humanly know before. We need to be clear about this. This is a full-on physical, emotional, and spiritual experience that they're having. It must have been terrifying and exhilarating. Now, I think at this point, the disciples would have probably been quite relieved, and they probably realized that everything they were hoping was actually true. Jesus hadn't forgotten about them. He did care about them. He hadn't left them for good. He's with them by his spirit, and he fills each of them with his presence. And this, this sort of happening basically makes all the difference to their community, The Holy Spirit brings them together, he strengthens them and unites them. The Holy Spirit creates the first community of believers. But many things in our culture try to erode community, don't they? Whether that's busyness or distraction or the sort of shallow community of uh, social media, whether that's fear of being open and vulnerable with others, it's our individualistic culture whether there's a lack of grace and forgiveness amongst people um, in our lives. The list goes on. In Rwanda, of course, the 1994 genocide eroded community in the most devastating way, particularly because the killing was was, um, carried out by people who knew each other. Friends killed friends, neighbours killed neighbours, and members of churches actually killed each other. On one of our visits, we met a genocide survivor called Ruerontz. I've got a picture of her. Here she is. Now, Ruerontz's whole family had been killed in front of her, and she had survived a machete attack herself. Um, She still suffered terrible headaches from the wounds that she received. We also met the genocide perpetrator who had killed her family. His name's Cassian, and he's standing with Rourance in this picture. Now, Rurons and Cassian are both Christians who went through a long and painful process of forgiveness and reconciliation, and they would say that it's by God's grace and God's power that they are now friends again, and neighbors. They laughed, and they said, it's so funny, we can see each other from our backyards again, and our children come out in and out of each other's houses I don't know if you can see it in the bottom of this picture. They're actually holding hands. And I don't know what your reaction is to this, but this just impacted me so hugely on our trip. That against all odds, the Spirit of God moved powerfully and brought them together in forgiveness and reconciliation. And both Rurance and Cassian put, down, put um, their reconciliation down to the power of God. And of course, lack of forgiveness and unity destroys community, doesn't it? So I'd love to just ask us at this point whether there might be somebody we need to say sorry to or whether there might be somebody that we need to forgive. And if we do, I'd really encourage us to take that seriously as a community because it really undermines us otherwise. Let's have a conversation if we need to do it. They're never easy, but they're always good. (laughs) Get someone to pray for us and choose to move on. I want to mention at this point that, of course, no community is perfect. This was certainly true in the New Testament times. It was true in Rwanda and is true here for us in Guildford. And it might be that you come to church, you come to St. Saviour's on a Sunday, and you look around and you think, well, everyone else is in community apart from me. Everyone else has got a nice little group. And if you do feel like that, I want to reassure you that many of us feel like that. Um, at different times I think it's quite normal to have that experience from time to time so I'd encourage you to get to know different people introduce yourself to people you don't know if you've got a regular seat someone said to me we had a um I was having a chat with a while ago oh I've started sitting somewhere different because I get to meet new people now I know that's very un-english but we could give it a go Um, Do become part of a team. Join some of the groups we've already got going. These are great ways of of getting sort of stuck into the community. Help out in children's church. That's always a fun one. Um, Do get in touch if you're interested in getting involved, and we can help you more. So that's my first point. The Holy Spirit creates community. My second point is that as we let the Holy Spirit move, he empowers community. I particularly like this picture. (laughs) Who knew that they could jump like that? (laughs) And I think that little elephant embodies um, chapter 2, verse 8, where Jesus promises you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I felt a bit like that when I sort of felt his presence for the first time. And we see the Holy Spirit um, empowering the community of disciples in the whole book of Acts. After the Holy Spirit's poured out on the disciples, this small community of largely uneducated, frightened men and women is transformed into a force to be reckoned with in the known world at the time. The disciples find themselves doing things they couldn't do in purely human terms in their own strength. Remember, after Jesus' arrest, we all know the story of Peter, don't we, who runs away and denies him three times. But in the book of Acts, I love the restoration because this happens just after the reading that we heard from Andy this morning, that um, Peter preaches the first ever sermon and 3,000 people come to faith and they're all baptized on that day. That is an extraordinary turnaround. That's extraordinary power. And in in Acts 2, verse 43, it says almost casually that everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs of the apostles. If we think what that means, it actually means that the community of disciples are healing people, performing miracles, and bringing hundreds and thousands of people to faith. I mean, that is powerful. That's amazing. The Holy Spirit empowers community. He fills community with power from heaven to transform earth, and we're all invited to be part of it. Ordinary people like you and me, Ordinary people like the disciples, you know, they didn't have special skills or gifts or knowledge or power that we don't have. They hadn't been Christians for 25 years. They hadn't done all the courses and read all the books before they did anything. They were literally empowered by the Spirit, and they just got on with it. They were fishermen from villages, and of all places to be, they were in Jerusalem, which was sort of like the intellectual center of, of um, the area, full of educated people who weren't used to the things of the Spirit any more than Guildford is. So we mustn't discount ourselves or underestimate what an empowered community of believers can do. I've recently joined a chaplaincy team um, at a prison in Surrey, and I've seen firsthand the difference a group of people can make to the women who come to the chaplaincy. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And one of the Tier Fund programs we witnessed in Rwanda, where the Holy Spirit is really obviously empowering community, is called CCM, which stands for Church and Community Mobilization. So, Tier Fund train church leaders and facilitators within the church, and these are mostly poor and deprived areas, to form small groups or small self help groups, I think they call them, within the church. The aim of these groups is to really change the mindset, the poverty mindset that people have, where they say, well, I, I, can't, I can't do anything, what can I do? I've got no skills, I've got no resources, I've got no opportunities. So they change the mindset, but they also meet the very practical needs of the group. So the groups come together, and the most important thing they do each week is they pray and they worship God together. They also save a little bit of money each week, And some of these, we met many, many groups. Um, Some of them start with as little as 10p a week per person that they save. And they save for specific things. And I just wanted to tell you um, a story of a man we met called Alphonse. This is Alphonse. He was a man in his early 20s who trained as a welder, but he couldn't find work. Um, He was poor, he was lonely, he was miserable. He um, received some CCM training, And after the training, discovered other welders in the church who also couldn't find work. And so they decided to start their own business. So there were four of them. And then they recruited another three who wanted to be trained. So they started with seven. Now, two years later, there are 11 fully qualified welders. And their little business supports the 11 welders and their families. They have all paid for health insurance. They are building their houses. Um, And Alphonse said to us, my faith is really alive. I have friends who know me and support me, and uh, I feel confident and happy. His friends also were like, yeah, Alphonse, you've also got yourself a beautiful wife out of this. (laughs) Which was true. So the Spirit has empowered Alphonse and his community. And we had many stories of transformation about all different sorts of um, businesses that have come out of these little groups, um, including tailoring. I've got a picture of one of the tailors, all the beautiful material, Um, beekeeping, agriculture, um, keeping livestock, building um, things, another picture coming up of a kiln that we um, saw where they make the bricks. And all these communities have been transformed by the actual, the, the sort of genuine community by God empowering them. And they are also transforming their communities. These are church groups having massive impact on the community outside church as well. And many people have come to faith. Now, I don't know how empowered you feel today. You might be sitting here thinking, yeah, bring it on. Or if you're like me, you're probably feeling like, yeah, who am I? (laughs) What do I have to give? I can barely sort of brush my hair in the morning, (laughs) let alone make a difference in people's lives. But seeing those groups in Rwanda really challenged my thinking around what I as an individual can do and we as a community are actually capable of doing together. So how can we change our mindsets and begin to live more empowered lives? I think worship and prayer is obviously a great place to start and that's what the Rwandan model um, was based on. I try to do this. Mine is usually a five-minute dash between the shower and throwing uniform on my children. I think that's okay. It's not a long prayer. It's a, God, I need you today. I need your power. Please fill me. I think it's important to mention here that some of us might feel, well, do you know what? I have never had that sort of all-consuming, amazing experience described on the day of Pentecost with the Holy Spirit. And therefore we feel that we're not empowered. And I I just think this isn't true. It's just not true. There are many times in the Bible when the Spirit works softly and quietly and gently without the wildness of the day of Pentecost, but no less powerfully. No less powerfully. And this has been definitely true in my life. It's often that small, quiet voice that has made Uh, has been sort of dramatically powerful. So I'd ask us not to get hung up on experiences today. We need to be confident that when we invite the Spirit to come, He always comes. And because the Spirit is the presence of God with us, He is always powerful. And we need to be confident in that. So let's ask for the Spirit's power regularly. I'd also encourage us to ask for the gifts of the Spirit, any of them, whichever you fancy, all of them. (laughs) We're encouraged to eagerly desire them, aren't we, in 1 Corinthians. And let's practice them as well. I think sometimes we just ask and then we forget to actually use them. So, you know, if you're on the ministry team, come and pray for someone. Have a go at listening to God. Have a go at saying what you feel he might be saying. I often um, practice in my small group, my women's group, um, and I'll pray for healing or, you know, try out words with people. It's good to practice. As a church, we already have some fantastic examples of empowered communities. From life groups where genuine friendships are transforming lives, to informal groups where people are supported when they have a baby or when someone is ill, We have men's groups and women's groups and street angels and connect groups and teams doing all sorts of things. And by the way, if you're in a group that isn't working for you, then I would feel free to move on. There is nothing wrong with moving on from a group. I think in church we can feel, oh no, we need to stay, that's the right thing to do. But actually, you know, I've been in a couple of groups where I've felt, do you know what, this um, isn't just connecting for me for some reason, or relationally we're not going deep enough, um, or um, spiritually doesn't feel it's going anywhere for me. And I've just learned to move on. It's okay to let those things go. So as we let the spirit move, he creates community and he empowers community. My third point is that as we let the spirit move, he leads community. Here's, Here's the next animal. Um, as I said earlier, Jesus says to his disciples in Acts one verse eight, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you." Now the second part of this verse says, "And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." Now in my life I've experienced the Spirit leading me in different ways, small ways, big ways, um, by myself, with other people. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I felt the Spirit prompt me to give someone a ring. And um, she's not someone I sort of have regular chats with, but I just felt God asked me to. So I gave her a ring, and actually it turned out she was really struggling, and it made a real difference to her that I'd done that. So that's a little thing. (laughs) But I've also had big ones where I, I felt God has led me to go and live in Brazil for a little while. He led Mike and I to go and live in New Zealand, and he led us to Guildford. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit creates and empowers the community of disciples in order to lead them on to grow God's church and to build God's kingdom by witnessing in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And with the coming of the Spirit, the disciples are truly empowered to fulfill this call on their lives. And as we know from the book of Acts, that's actually what they go on to do. And that call remains unchanged on us here today, on you and me to be a community of people empowered by the Spirit of God to be God's witnesses in Guildford, in Surrey, in England, and to the ends of the earth. So, I hope you're feeling the pressure. <laughs> We're not doing it alone, that's the thing. We do it with the power of the Spirit. Before the day of Pentecost became known as the day that the Spirit was pulled out, it was actually an agricultural festival, and it happened 50 days after Passover. You'll of course remember, because my talk is so um, utterly compelling, that I mentioned the fact that the Spirit is poured out 50 days after um, Jesus' resurrection. Now this was the day when farmers offered their first sheaf of wheat um, from the crop to God as a um, thanksgiving to God for the um, harvest, but also to pray for the safe gathering of the harvest to come. So the fact that the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost would have been hugely significant to people at the time. They would have understood that the filling of the disciples by the Holy Spirit and their powerful subsequent witness to Jesus and many people becoming Christians on that day, they would have seen that as an offering to God like the first sheaf of wheat. Um, as a sign of thanksgiving, but also a sign of the harvest to come. So I think that's a good little reminder for us today, that um, sort of whole harvest analogy, that we are filled and empowered by God's Spirit in order to follow his leading for a harvest to come. Now, the self-help groups in Rwanda had very small and humble beginnings. One man really mocked his wife, Claudine, for the insignificance of what she was doing. He said, that's not going to make a difference. It's not going to do anything. And uh, our host explained that many of the self help groups start off with predominantly um, female membership. They're made up of women. When I asked her why, she said it's because, m- this is her quote, men simply aren't interested in doing things in community and don't like starting small. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to say more than that. <laughs> but I actually think it's a challenge for all of us, men and women. Are we open to doing things with other people? Do we mind starting small? But after three years, Claudine's husband has seen their lifestyle radically change. They've built their own house. They have a biofuel generator, and I've got a picture of this. There it is. Um, And some livestock. Claudine runs a couple of businesses, and she's also um, a trainer of new group facilitators, and this has radically impacted their community. There are 50 groups now in this community. The local church has grown, and the whole community is thriving. It's amazing. Claudine's husband joined a group himself a year ago, she told us with glee, (laughs) and um, his group have brought electricity to the village, so that's amazing. So how do we let the Spirit lead us and our communities? Well, the first thing I want to say is that many of us are already doing fantastic things empowered by the Spirit. Claudine showed us a certificate that Tearfund Fund had given her in acknowledgement of all she's done, and there's a lovely picture of her. She was very proud of her certificate. And I think many of us can feel that what we do is unseen by our church or community, And I just wanted to say, if you have ever felt like that, then I'm really sorry that you haven't felt encouraged, and well done, and I would love to give you all a virtual certificate. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry for the things we aren't aware of. There are some things we're aware of that we know we don't celebrate enough, but there are other things that we just aren't aware of. So again, I want to say sorry for those things. And do let us know. And we are trying to sort of grow times in our services where we hear the, the God stories of what God's doing. So please come and tell us in those as well. So I think it would be great to be praying about what the Holy Spirit's leading us into and, and what we can get involved with and then take the next step. You know, that, that small beginnings can be a change in mindset because it's not, it's not exciting necessarily to start off with just one little step. But actually that's what leads to to the big things. And if you really aren't sure what that is, I've been in that place so many times myself, then I would say just do something. It doesn't really matter what. Just do something. We have some fantastic opportunities at church um, and on our doorstep in Guildford. And in fact, within our building... We have a mums and toddlers group who come here every Thursday morning, which have, um, I don't know, between 50 and 100 families represented. And we are looking to grow that team who welcome those um, mums and carers and dads just to build relationship. These are people in our local community. So there's an opportunity, and there's plenty more. Just get in touch if you'd like to hear more and we can tell you more. So the Holy Spirit leads community. And that is what is happening here, and it is increasing here. And that's one of the reasons I love our church. So we are back to our lion, let the spirit move. As we let the spirit move, we will see him create community and more of it. We will see him empower our community more deeply, more effectively. And we will see him lead our community into new things. And I don't know how you feel, but I am really glad to be doing life with the church community of St. Saviour's. And I think we are in exciting times as a church. So let's just be open to all that God has for us and let's really um, enjoy letting the spirit move. Amen.